You think you know your kids. You think you know so much about them. And then they tell you they're taking a stand-up comedy comedy class. And you're like, what? I know me that I need like yes. structure. I love structure. It's important to identify in yourself what motivates you to do something. Reframing what success is okay. in my mind. Oh, I love this. I think each little hurdle is considered a success. And if you yeah. just look at it that way and we'll see what tonight's going to bring. So excited. We're back. We are back. We are back in the studio. I am so excited to be in person with you in Los Angeles for the record. My voice is a little hoarse today, but I'm running with it. Not, nothing stops the mothership. Nothing at all. Right. Never. So we're going to dive right in today because we know that you know who we are at this point, so we don't need to do an intro. We're a mother-daughter duo. We get along really great. We love... <laughs> I said mother. Mother. Mother-daughter duo. The jerseys coming <laughs> what out. What happened? Coming out to play. Coming out to play. But today we are going to focus on Julie, the potential future stand-up comic. <laughs> I'm just going to call you Julie, the stand-up comedian. Okay. We're going right in because I am amazed by what... I've seen thus far, and I feel like it's worth talking about on a higher level, about trying something new, pursuing a dream. I think it's just a great topic, and I think we can all learn a lot from it because mm -hmm. you're not a person, you know, you're you're not a person who's normally well. I do say you do dive into things pretty pretty, you know, powerfully. Police, but not diving into things at one hundred and forty three thousand percent. I guess that's what we do. It's okay. genetic. <laughs> but I just feel like it's a new thing that came way off the radar. I think that's the thing that's thrown me. Because you think, again, you think you know your kids. You think you know so much about them. You think you have a good sense of who they are. And then they tell you they're taking a stand-up comedy, comedy class. And you're like, what? So what? let's dive in. Let's talk about Julie's new adventure. And let, let me be the interviewer today. And I'm going to take you on the ride. All right. Oh, boy. So let's start with the background. How did you come up with this idea? What prompted it? Has it always been in your mind? Or is it something that was just spontaneous and new? I think it's something I've always wanted to try. I feel like whenever we watch like stand-up specials or even go to comedy shows, I'm always thinking about, oh, I feel like I could do that. Doing stand-up or trying it is something I've always thought would be cool, something I've wanted to try, been a little too nervous to do it, not feeling very confident like performing, but I feel really confident in like my writing skills because I've always loved to write. Like I remember my dream job as a kid was like one of them was to be an author. So I feel like the writing portion and like the storytelling is all there. And even with like my work now, I feel like storytelling is a really big aspect. And I'm really drawn to the comedians who aren't just like hitting you with one-liners, but the ones who are like telling a story. Taking you on a ride. Taking you on a ride. I Taking you on a journey. I love that. But now I really am somewhat amazed that you've never articulated this performance thought before. And I'll say why, because typically kids that are growing up in school and they have this like theatrical drive or whatever, and then they want to be in the school plays or they want to be on stage for one reason or another. You've pursued sports, you've done art, you've never really taken an interest in being a performer. I know. So why, so, so And so why have you never even <laughs> talked about this as a, as a desire? I don't know. I didn't think, I don't know, maybe just not thinking I had the confidence to do it. And I don't want to sound crazy, like, oh, you're going to do comedy? Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, but <laughs> usually you have some interest in, you know, being in front of a camera or, yeah. I mean, do you think it was 
let's talk about how social media played into this because you are very confident and funny on your social media. And do you think that that maybe helped you then articulate that this is or realize that this is something you wanted to do? Maybe articulate it because I do feel more comfortable. I've, I've, over the last few years, been more comfortable posting on social media and like sharing my humorous thoughts and like, not that I do skits, like that's not what I do, but... I don't know, just sharing the humorous thoughts, the sarcastic thoughts I have, the observations. And I've gotten more comfortable with that, that I think, yeah, maybe I was like, maybe this is the next step. All right. Well, so for people who, who don't know, Julie. <laughs> Am I doing a good job answering these questions? Yes, okay. perfectly. Well, perfect. I want your honest thoughts. I don't want you to even think about what a scripted answer might be. Okay. I want to know, did you look for a class or did did you in looking for like things to do in LA that are near you and did you just see it and say oh this will feed something that I've been thinking about like what came first was it like you seeking it out yeah or do you think it presented itself and you were like aha no I think I I seeked it saw saw it (laughs) okay now we're gonna have the grammar lesson I sought out a class because I figured that would be a good experience to see if I liked it dip my toes in the water you know, I like to be instructed on things. I'm a visual learner. I'm like an in the in the process kind of learner. So I knew this wasn't something I would do on my own. Like I would need the cl- some sort of structure to get me started. So I sought out the class, and I like found one, and I found a few, and this was this one the final showcase, whatever, was being performed at the improv. And I was like, that's cool. That's the class I'm going to do. That's literally how I chose the class. Because it's around the corner from where you live. Well, let's not say that on the well, podcast. <laughs> because it's near. It's in your neighborhood. It's, in my, it's a famous spot. Okay. It's I don't know. <clears throat> right. I would just rather not be like, oh, I live around the corner it's in from the neighborhood the you care. Okay. Well, because it's in a neighborhood you cared about most, you know, you maybe you were interested in the neighborhood. It's just, it, it was a very um, famous and reputable spot that people perform. So I feel like that's why I was interested in that. I wasn't just performing at like a random school. It was like on the actual stage that comedians I watch every single day are performing at. Okay. So now can we just digress and mention this one little, yes, like, little fact? Do. Little factoid. Okay. So in 1982, in March to be exact, I went on a trip to California with my college roommates and we did random things and I wrote a journal. I happened to write a journal that I completed from beginning to end about this trip. And one of the entries in the journal is that we went to a comedy club and it was called the Hollywood Improv, which I think is amazing because I just found this journal recently and read the sequence where I saw a up-and-coming comic perform and he was so funny and relatable and it was Jerry Seinfeld, which is amazing. (laughs) And the whole thing, just that I found the journal right around this time when you were pursuing this and it was the same club and I was like, this is karma. I love it Helen Karma that's fine it just made me so happy just the whole thing it's just it was so random it was 1982 so he was unknown his show didn't come out I think until 1989 so Mm. this is how much before Seinfeld the show was wow I really saw him when he was like you like starting out little baby little baby comedian (laughs) yes and then and then you have to think about all comedians start out some way it's just like people on social media that have famous followings they all start out with 10 followers so all comedians start out with like oh I have this idea I want to perform and they try it yeah so the possibilities for anybody who wants to try anything is you have to start you don't know where you're going to end up it's crazy it's true, right? Yeah. All right. So now let's go. <laughs> you went through the motions. You thought, I'm going to look and I'm going to find a class. And then you acted on it and you did it. 
Okay, you went to the class. So in your mind, were you thinking, oh, I'll make some friends, I'll meet people? What was your goal other than learning about stand-up comedy? Did you have any other goals with why you were going to do this, why you're going to do it by yourself? Anything? Well, I did it by myself because I don't really know anybody else. I didn't know anyone else in L.A. at the time, really. <laughs> you have no friends. I have no friends. Um, <laughs> thank you. I'm your friend. I know, but you don't live here. Okay. I mean, you are bi-coastal at this point. Pretty much can... almost. It feels like I live here. <laughs> I've been here so often. Um, yeah, I guess making friends was like another aspect of it, but I also didn't know what group of people I was going to be meeting in this class and everyone ended up being like really nice and now I have like a few people and we've been going to open mics together so I feel like that part has also been um not that it's like unexpected because it's something that I kind of wanted from the class was like to meet people so that's been a nice bonus little byproduct in a way which is great you know what I really love and I want to point out especially to our listeners who are thinking maybe I'll do something the fact that you know what it takes for you to do something so in other words you, it's not as simple as you deciding you're going to do something. You know you have to actually take action and do something that's organized. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're not going to make those moves. Mm-hmm. Okay, Because some people might be like self-motivated. I'm going to start you know, a workout plan or whatever. But then you know yourself and you know if you're going to start a workout plan, you're going to join a class where you're going to be... <laughs> you know, uh, sort of obligated to go. I was literally you, just talking right? about this this morning about how like, oh, I want to join a gym with classes. so that Because like, I know how to do workouts on my own, but at the like I know me that I need like yes. structure. I love structure. I love me some love me some structure. Yes, you love so. you some spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> organization. I love that. So, but it's an important to identify in yourself what motivates you to do something yeah. and how you know that you're going to be successful. So you could think I'm going to do that. You know, I could think I'm going to learn Spanish. Well, you know, what? I'm I'm like that self person that will self structure myself yeah. and say, okay, I don't really need to go to a class. I know that every day I'm going to allot ten minutes and this is what I'm going to do and this and I make a process. Mm-hmm. But it's and it is organized, but it's only organized sort of loosely in my own mind. <laughs> <laughs> and how's the Spanish going? It's an organized <laughs> chaos situation. <laughs> right. I, I power through and I get to a point and then I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, yeah. But I can have a loose conversation at this point in Spanish. That was the other part about the class that was nice because it was a weekly thing. So like every week, like the first week, obviously you don't prepare anything, but then starting the second week, you would prepare um, like three minute sets for every week that you would perform in front of the class. So not only was it something I was doing every week where I'm going and learning, but it's forced, not forcing me, but it's like, I, Stephen had to remind me I'm not getting graded on any of this. So like, I didn't have to, you know, be paranoid about my GPA and like getting an A. I was just, you know, so this funny. is for fun. Um, so, but that was the nice part about it too, because it's like, yeah, I liked going to school because I don't. I liked going to school for creative things, because then it like gave me motivation to be creative outside of like school hours. That's kind of what happened here, where we had homework, writing the bits, writing the sets every week, and it was nice having that structure. Because usually, if I start a project, it'll just kind of like sit in the corner, and I won't. I, I have frames everywhere. I have a gallery wall. It's in progress. Like, mm-hmm. but I, I that have been sitting in, in the corner for months. So yes, yeah. yes, to have that. So when you first went to the class, and we did touch on this in another episode yeah. where you were stressed out about being boot girl, and you had the sprained ankle, and you went to the class and you boot. So let's just talk a little bit about the class itself, because I mean, I think m- many might like to know what is it like to take a stand up comedy class. Is it 
there's a teacher teaching you what? So a little bit about what you learned. Can tell yeah. us, give us the background. I think every class is going to be different. Like I, I, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. But for my class, there was two teachers. Um, Joe Falls Rano, I'm going to mispronounce his name so bad. He was the main guy who runs it, and he's like, was more of a stand-up comedy producer who's like worked behind the scenes with comics. And then the other teacher was Vargas Mason, who's actually a stand-up comic, and they worked together to run the class. And it was the first time he had a second, like Vargas, come and assist with the teaching. And it was a nice mix because you could get like the insights of him being a producer with these really big comics, but then also Vargas having the experience of like performing like day in and day out. And I know, yeah, I think about like things that we learned, and it was like how to craft a joke, the mechanics of a joke, the different kind of kind of like niches you can have on social media. But like, what's your niche as like a comic? Are uh. you like a self-deprecating person? Are you like observational are you just like good humor like that kind of thing right so it's like learning all these little intricate things which like i could have figured out on my own but it probably would like it all seems very obvious too but it's nice having someone like having it in front of you and then just like techniques for writing like breaking down a lot of the time we would like break down other comedians jokes so we could see how they were crafted and a lot of it, most of the time, we'd spend like an hour. So the class was three hours. And the first hour, we'd do like a lesson. And then the second two hours would be everyone, like they would call it the writer's room. So everyone would get up and do their set, and then everyone would give feedback, which right. was like very reminiscent of art school, which I really enjoyed. Oh, wow. That, that sounds terrifying <laughs> to me. <laughs> it was really intimidating because it's like, you're, and, and my class specifically was held in like a kindergarten classroom <laughs> so it's like very disorienting oh my god just like being in kindergarten again we have it's, to get it's up and so make disorienting because it's hysterical. like my jokes aren't necessarily like vulgar or raunchy and, and that nature but it's just like oh we're in a kindergarten classroom and this person is having like the most vulgar jokes i've ever heard oh in my, my entire god. life or the fact that it's just 10 people sitting around you in like a semi-circle mm. and you're going up like i think we'll touch on this further on but it was more nerve-wracking performing in front of those 10 people than when i got on stage right. at the improv and performed in front of, like i was so much more comfortable performing in front of a large audience wow, that, which is like which is seems crazy. backwards it does seem backwards i'm sorry yeah uh, i will we'll we'll touch on that but i want to say do you, at any point in during the process when you were in these classes were you ever second guessing yourself 100 percent. oh my god i thought you were gonna say no oh 100 percent. what yes I'm a big doubter. <laughs> oh my gosh! But I feel like you were there, and then you were starting to get feedback. Didn't wasn't the first class? Okay, you even said it. You were like so prepared for the first the class. First like you class, I, okay. So it was technically the second class. Like I felt really good. I was like, oh, this is like, I got good feedback. The teachers liked my stuff. I got good feedback from my classmates. But then as we started progressing in in the classes, I was getting a little bit more discouraged. Because I felt a lot of the people in my class were doing these, like, really vulgar, dirty, like, gotcha jokes. And mine felt like the opposite. Uh. And mine felt like a little bit more, like, not in a bad way. Like, there's time and place for that. If that's, like, your style, that's your style. But, like, 80% of my class is doing that. And I'm, like, one of two people who's not doing, like, sex jokes. I'm doing, like, more, I don't know, more storytelling, more that kind of personal. stuff. Personal. It was yours. It was, more, you, it was definitely yeah. more personal. Like I'm <clears throat> probably one of the people in the class who really kept it all about me. Like not like oh, all about me, but like that's how <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Is like t- when it's 
especially when you're starting, that's what they would tell us every week. Like, make it as much as you can about you, because especially as you're starting out, like, you're not Jerry Seinfeld. No one gives a shit right about like you, you have to make people want to care about you. Make them interested yeah. in you, which is so funny. So that's why I started getting discouraged, like, especially towards the end. I think last week after class, I like got in the car. And I was like, I was like almost on the verge of tears because I was just like so frustrated and. I was like, oh, I'm going to do so bad. Like, no one's going to laugh because no one was laughing in the classroom. I'd get, like, one laugh. But wait, the f- wasn't it the first time you performed in the group the teacher actually liked your yours? The be- didn't, you, didn't you say the first time you did? Are you forgetting this? Because you told the me. The first that. time I went up, I f- was really prepared, and I think I, I did really well. Right. And, and you got good it. feedback, right? But then I felt like ever since that, I, it start, like, you the started feedback, I started to doubt it just because... Yeah, people were going in these other directions. It was fine. I wasn't getting as much laughter from my group, mainly because I think their interest in comedy is more that vulgar. Right, so it's a different kind of... Yeah, and it's also... That's so crazy to me about stand-up is like, it depends on your audience. Mm -hmm. And the audience, depending on who they are or what venue you're going to be at, might change what their interests are. And I'm just like, for example, let's say you're making social media jokes... Uh, not that you are or had, but if you were making you have so, some tonight. Do you? Oh gosh, I can't <laughs> like, wait. I can't not wait. a lot. But if you're making those jokes, you want to make sure the audience is young enough to understand social media. If you're speaking yeah. to an older audience and they're like, their jokes are going to be more about like when they were growing up, things they could relate to. So, so much of it is somewhat audience dependent. Mm-hmm. That's why it's also good, again, to have it be more about yourself. So, like, the social, like, I can't. A lot of the jokes I'm writing about social media are about my relationship with social media, not necessarily general observations about social media, because that's where you have the problem where the audience is. They don't know. They don't know if like you have an older audience doesn't know about Instagram, like no point of going on a riff about Instagram. Right. But a lot of the jokes that I've written about social media are from my perspective, my relationship with social media, how social media has affected me. So therefore you guys relate. So do you guys think that's funny? that that makes sense that makes sense that's so smart because mm-hmm. it makes your set more you know a wide be able to have a wider net it's also just makes it easier when it's like about you like i feel confident making fun of myself <laughs> like i feel <laughs> where do you get that from I, <laughs> I i i don't have issue with that so then i can go on stage and be really confident really animated whereas like if someone gave me a, a set of like really vulgar, really political, or really like out there jokes, I would be like whispering into the right. microphone. But because it's something you're confident yeah. in, so funny. So I w- and I will say when we came out here, because of course your first, you know, final performance, <laughs> I was like, I'm coming to see this. And as soon as I booked a flight, then everybody was having FOMO in the family, and so of course immediately Dad's like, I should go, and I'm like, Yeah, you should. And then all of a sudden Tommy and Jenna, we should come, and I'm like, <laughs> You should. And it was just turned into a family weekend, which was really funny mm-hmm. and just made it more fun. Yeah. But I do think that. Um, I, I I guess from our standpoint, Tommy and I especially, we were so nervous. You all were so nervous. So nervous. Dad was not as nervous. He holds at least he doesn't, you know, articulate the nervousness maybe. Steven was nervous. We were so nervous. I was I almost was sick inside. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> For real. I was getting like, this is crazy. I need this to be over because I can't. I can't take it. I was so stressed out, and then I didn't want to make you feel more nervous by telling you, but I couldn't hold it in. Yeah. After the after the friggin' performance, we go back 
to my apartment, our apartment, and you guys are like, oh my God, thank God that's over. We were so oh. nervous. I'm like, what? You guys were nervous? So nervous. It was really stressful. Because I think, I think from my perspective, I know you're funny on social media. I know you're funny in the family. <laughs> I could not picture that you are going to get up on stage, pick up a microphone. By the way, you picked it up with gusto. This is like what I remember <laughs> I so vividly. When you took the microphone out of that mic stand and moved that thing, <laughs> I was like... She has been here before. It was almost like you were coming out from another life, that you have already done this before, because it yeah. looked like you had done this before. It was amazing, honestly, <laughs> to witness. And then I was like, the minute you start talking, I'm like, this is crazy. She's meant to do this. It was the coolest thing. I don't know. How did you feel? Now let's talk about the night, okay? So it's coming up to the day where you're going to perform. How did you prepare? Mm -hmm. And then how was it? Just take us through it. Walk us through the, the, the day. Yeah. Okay, so preparation-wise, there's a lot of reciting and repetition and, like, repeating. And even, um, like, in moments when I'm quiet, like, I'm literally thinking through my, like, re like reciting my set in my head. So at any quiet moment during the week leading up to it, I was, like, reciting it in the shower, in the car. Like, while we're watching TV and it's on a commercial break, like, that's how yeah. much, because wow. I was, like, very nervous. <laughs> I just didn't want to fuck up. Wow. Um, and then I would practice a lot. We have a back patio. I would practice in the back patio. I think the hard thing for me was it was really hard to practice being animated. Like that more I thought about how I wanted to be animated on stage. Didn't necessarily practice it, just kind of like went for it. Right. Um, and then the day of, we went for a hike. All during that hike, I'm just like repeating the set over and over again and then we got lunch, and then I went back home, and you guys went and did some, like, touristy things, and I just showered, and I read through it, like, for an hour, and then I just, like, probably for the last hour before or half hour before, just sat and, like, relaxed and just, like, chilled out and, like, did my makeup and got my alpha ready and just right. calmed down. And they also wouldn't tell us the lineup until we got there, which is also really stressful. So then I go over the improv... Is this even interesting? <laughs> well, it's interesting to me that you had, well, there is a, always an interest in what happens beforehand because yeah. you wonder, what do people do? Are they are they just like going off the grid and I'm not even going to think about this until I do it? Like no, somebody I think part of it is like I needed the distraction. So I'm like really glad we went for a hike. I'm glad we went out to lunch. But I'm also glad that I had like two hours before. I had an hour think. just to like practice again and then an hour to calm down. Right. And then I even, so we got to the improv, we got set up, got our lineup, our teachers did the whole thing where they told us how we're going to be sitting and this and that. And I was like fourth to last in the lineup, which I was like happy about. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. In a way, you want to think they probably start with somebody strong and then they work, you know, they might have yeah. thought this through and, the, and said like leading the way up to the, the yeah. str strongest people. You know, you might want to believe That's that. what I tell myself. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what you should tell yourself. <laughs> you go, but girl. But then as we started getting further up the lineup, I got I was getting so much more nervous so that at one point, like two people before me, I went to the bathroom and like I went into the bathroom into a stall and like did my set again oh, in my head. Wow. And was like, okay, I just want to make sure because I was like listening to everybody. I'm like, am I going to yes. forget it? Because I've also been listening to these people and getting distracted. Yeah, but I've also been listening to these people sets for the past like four or five. You don't want to tell so one of their jokes. And yeah, I was like, oh, my. not that I would, but I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is so funny. So then I went to the bathroom, and then I came back, and then as they call you on stage. Were you at this point at shaking? Because I know when I have to stand up in yeah. front of a crowd, I get like really nervous for the first few seconds until I'm speaking. Yeah. So like. When the person, 
when the person before me was going, that's when I would like get up and go to the side of the stage and like wait in the wings, essentially. I don't remember a second of his set. Like I was so focused on like counting my breaths and oh just like, because I could feel my heart like beating out of my chest. <laughs> and I was so anxious. And you guys are like right there in the second row. Of course, you had to sit right in the front center. I needed to be. I had to videotape. <laughs> and I could just like feel... Oh, like coming out of my chest and it was awful and it was terrible but I, I had water and I was just like really just counting my breaths like in four out four in four out four until he called me on stage I grabbed the microphone I put the mic stand and then as soon as I like told my first joke I felt so much better my god and I felt like at ease there was like one moment where I almost forgot like where I was going but I just like took a beat and then got back into it. Amazing. Amazing that I actually used the word videotape. Like really, where am mm -hmm. I from? Like the 1980s. <laughs> anyway, but I did record it. So when you came and you took the microphone and you were going, yeah. at that point, do you feel like you were taken over by another self? Do you feel like you kind of flipped that, that switch and you were in your comfort zone? Because P.S. you were animated, <laughs> snapping, bending, talking, leaning into people in the audience. Did you plan any of that? Did How much of that was something you thought about doing? Yeah. And how much of it was you in the moment just getting into it? Mm. Okay, some of it I had planned. Okay. Okay, so the part where I get in that guy's face. The last week in class, I did my set once through, and then they asked, they said, do it again, but do that part and really exaggerate it. And I don't know because it's about talking about how I'm a really competitive person. I got in like the sports stance in the classroom and I like squat walked over to like one of my classmates and got in his face and told the joke. And everyone's like, you need to do that. Oh, wow. And like after so that, my that feedback was, your mind. Okay. yeah. And like the last class before the performance, they're like, as much as you can incorporate this like animated extra, like extra, like over the top is what makes takes your jokes from funny to like really hilarious amazing so they're like feedback. just do that so then the whole week up to it i was kind of like tweaking my set of like because every week for class i brought a new three minutes like some people brought the same th three minutes and would tweak it i brought three new minutes every single week so by the time our performance came i wanted to pick from like the 15 minutes of stuff that was smart that was going to be one of my questions i was yeah. curious like did you change your set throughout so i pulled the week before i was like what are the set what are the bits that I can be the most animated with? And those are the ones that I pulled. Perfect plan. Well done. I feel like <laughs> when we do this episode, you probably we should probably cut in a clip or of you like doing that end, leaning out. Yeah. That le because I think people need to know what, what Julie did, and I'll just kind of explain it, is she's telling a joke and she kind of like gets into like talking about how competitive she is. And so she starts talking about her competitive nature and she bends down and leans into this guy and picks some oh, random sir. person. <laughs> and she actually said... You know what, sir? And she called him sir in the middle of the thing. And I'm like, oh, what? Who are you in that moment? I couldn't Who are you? Who are you? The TikTok sound comes into play. Yeah. Seriously, it was, it was really great to watch. My first dream was to be a professional basketball player. Clearly, my body didn't get the memo. Okay? I have the competitive energy of Michael Jordan. Okay? Inside a body that resembles... Garfield the cat. <laughs> I just want to lie down and eat some lasagna. <laughs> but that's okay. It's okay. I take all of that competitive energy, I take it all in, and I shove it down. And I shove it down so good, sir, because I want to win at shoving my feelings down. 
It's so much fun. We were laughing so hard in the audience. Not because we know you, but because it was really funny. Thank you. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just I felt good about the laughs that I got at the show. Like I feel like I was up there with someone who got like a lot of laughs. So I felt really good about that. And um like I had multiple people come up to me afterwards, like three strangers come up to me and say, I came here to see someone else, but you were my favorite. Like three different separate people. So that was really it was really nice and reassuring. Cause it's like, I trust all of you that you guys are giving me honest feedback, but sometimes it's like a stranger who's never seen me before, doesn't know the backstory, doesn't yeah. know anything about me. And then getting a compliment like that, that was major. Yeah. That's like my first. Exactly. From an objective party that yeah. doesn't have any investment in, you know, caring if you succeed or you don't succeed. Yeah. So that's pr- pretty beautiful. Right? Yeah. That's awesome. So in, in that moment when you were up there and you're doing it and you felt like you were at, did you feel like... I know that this is something I'm meant to do. Did you feel like... Kind of. Like, I just felt really in it. And I talked to Stephen about this where... Because I am a really quiet and reserved person. So it's like, how does this person, quiet and reserved, get on stage and is completely different? Like, how... That doesn't match. But what I was telling Stephen is like, I like being funny and I like being animated. It's just like, I don't like causing a scene. But when I'm on stage, it's like people... They're there for a scene. They're there for a scene. (laughs) That's so funny. They're there for the scene. So it's like the more of a scene I can make, the better. Whereas like (laughs) out in public, not really a fan of making a scene. But like when someone is like, okay, they're here to laugh. They're here to like watch a show. Oh my God. So that's how I felt like the comp. I feel like that's why I felt like really confident. I've always liked to make people laugh too. Like, I don't know. I just always have. I've just always been quieter. Like sometimes... Like, if I have a funny one-liner in a big group, I'll, like, whisper it to Steven. Then he says it out loud and gets the laughs. And I'm like, what's so wrong? But, like, he's only done that, like, once as a joke. So I don't want to throw him under the bus at all. Because he doesn't no, do that. No, but he doesn't do that. Because but, it's funny, though. So he wants to make sure, make sure people yeah. hear it. So, yeah, I feel like that is also a part. I'm, like, it got me really excited to, like, keep pursuing it and, like, get on stage again. Gosh. So what do you think now, moving forward, your, tonight's your second performance, for those mm-hmm. who don't know, when we're recording this on the day that she's going to be performing for the second time. Because after that show, mm-hmm. you were then contacted by the organizer, the comedian. One of the teachers, tell us yeah. tell us what happened next. Give us the steps. Yeah. So after they had told us um, during the class run, especially during like the last two classes, like if you do well and if we see like you have potential, we'll definitely reach out to you because Vargas, the comedian... Um, runs a couple shows in LA at some different clubs and he was like I have a show for up and coming comedians like that's his thing so he was like I'll definitely reach out to people if I see potential or like see that you yeah whatever I, I guess potential is the best yeah, word yeah potential so yeah he emailed me and I emailed back so fast. I hit reply. Like, it was, like, still zero minutes, like, received. <laughs> and I was like, yes, please. <laughs> that is so funny. Because it was basically just, like, um, it was, like, a group email. Like, we were all blind copied, so I don't know who else is on this email. But all of us are blind copied. On, not all of us. But like, a few people are blind copied to ask. And he's like, I'm running a show on June 6th. I have some spots. Let me know if you want to do it. And I respond. I said, absolutely. Amazing. And then I was there. All right. So now between the first performance and tonight, Mm -hmm. you have not been sitting idle just writing jokes, Mm -hmm. right? And I I do want to talk about the fact that when we were at dinner, even the night after your first performance and you were scrolling through and you were sharing all jokes that got ditched and things, Mm -hmm. which was really fun to see your scrolling screen of things you had written. Really interesting. So since then and to now, have 
have you performed at all? And tell tell us a little bit about like what has been the writing process. Yeah. So the writing. So essentially, I try and spend like an hour a day, like okay. whether it's writing. Now this past week, more practicing, especially like Monday through Friday, at least trying to spend like an hour a day. Um, I did a lot of writing in like the first, I would say, week and a half after the show, and then uh, started to hit open mics. Okay. Which is an extremely terrifying experience. <laughs> I want to hear about it because I thought it would be the same thing. So I was no. so surprised to hear from you so about this. So different. Okay. And I've only been to three now. So I don't, ha- you know, I don't That's have, a lot. Like, That's I don't a have the biggest okay. sample size of what all open mics are. But I went to two smaller ones. And then I went to the one at the Hollywood Improv. Okay. So the two smaller ones are very weird. <laughs> These random comedy establishments. I don't even know what to call them because it's like a room uh-huh. with chairs and like a mini elevated surface, lights and a microphone. Okay. Like very bare bones. Okay. And the first one I went to was God awful. Okay. Because I forgot everything that I had written. I was trying like 100% like all new stuff because I feel like very good about the stuff that I did perform that, okay, I'll like start practicing new stuff to bring in because the set I did at the improv was four minutes. The set I'm doing tonight is six minutes. So I needed two more minutes of material. <laughs> okay. So. And you wanted to test it out. I wanted I guess to test it. That's the idea, I guess, of open mics. It's really to just try material. Yeah, I guess. I don't know because the first one I went to, a lot of, and also with a lot of these like smaller open mics, the only other people going to them, at least in my, you know, experience, are other comics testing their material. So the first one I went to, everyone's like in their notepads, like no one's really paying attention or laughing uh, because everyone's kind there's of, no audience. There's in no way. audience. Uh-huh. So I thought I was going in practicing material and like, oh, I'm going to see what gets laughs, what doesn't. And I think what I'm learning is that the open mics are more for like practicing being on stage and like with a microphone and making sure you have your set memorized. Maybe I don't know. I'm still learning. Right, because you're not getting feedback, and that's yeah. what you were thinking it was. For. I thought it was me. Yeah, I thought it was me. Like more, not like feedback. Like oh, you should change this. No, no, just, but my, just like people laughing, right? To know if something's. And funny. also, they're so small that it was really hard to be animated, and like how animated I was at the improv was a lot harder. It was, again, like being in the classroom, like 10 people. Right. Everyone's sitting at the back of the room, too. Like, nobody's in the front. And whenever you go to these, like, comedy shows, they have people, people in, the front. in the front row. They have, like, the wait staff, like, placing people. So, I, yeah, really interesting experience. And then the second one I went to, I got some laughs at that one. Like, more pe- people were more paying attention. Okay. I also feel like the first one was bad because I forgot everything. So maybe like that's that why no one laughed. Maybe. That's okay <laughs> yeah. though. So after the first one, when you were, f- when you didn't get the laughs and you were like, did, did doubt creep in then? Did you have like, did, how are you dealing with this? Because it's not going to be a straight shoot to the moon kind of no. thing. Like, you know this, I mean, yeah. that from anybody that's going to pursue something like this type of a dream of whether it's acting, performing, music, whatever it is, it's not going to be like zero to the moon. That's where you're headed. There's going to be a road. So how are you coping as a person who overthinks everything? As a perfectionist, how am I coping with not being perfect, how you say? <laughs> yeah. How? Um, okay, well, one of the things... What's your strategy? Yeah. One of the things I talked about in therapy was like reframing what success is okay. in my mind. Oh, I love this. Yeah. So like just going to an open mic and getting on stage and putting myself out there, that is success enough in itself. Oh my God! It and is. So, yeah, that I think has been helpful. So like, 
especially when I went to the last open mic and it was like better, but it wasn't great. I was like, you know what? I went and I felt like I just, I did it. Probably never going to see any of those people ever again. That also helps. Like uh, <laughs> knowing I'm never, never going to see any of these people ever again. Or one day they're going to see my name on the big freaking billboard and they're like, oh my God, I saw her at an open mic and she did awful. Like that's crazy. <laughs> you know? That is so funny. Those it's going like, to be like, somebody's going to write in their journal. I saw this unknown comic yeah. and it's going to be, <laughs> that'll be so funny. It'll be replaying the, uh, so I feel like that has been, helpful and just like good saying just putting my for now just putting myself out there is like success enough success enough enough of a success yeah it's a good uh, that's a good way to think about it it's like each and thinking about each thing as a thing i know i was actually looking before too each i think each little hurdle is considered a success and if you just look at it that way and we'll see what tonight's going to bring so excited so now just thoughts on what you want to do with this moving forward have you given any thoughts to it are you are you saying like i'm just in it for today i'm just in it for i i know better (laughs) that's me i'm just in it for i'm always thinking about like today and maybe tomorrow but i know you're a thinker so have you given thought to how you see this playing out do you do it a lot do you play it out all these different ways and think when i'm doing this and i'm doing that like well how do you what's your uh mental journey on this future you know i don't know like i think about it i'm like oh it'd be so great like i think i could do this like i could put my mind to it and i know i could do it and when you, I wanted you to define what's do it is to being a regular performing stand-up comic. I guess so. Is it what that might lead to after that? Because I don't really know. I don't know a lot of stand-up comics. Yeah. We have or one of our Melrose engineers is a is a comedian. He performs <laughs> at clubs. But I don't know. Is a is a long haul of performing to to ultimately then. I'm going to be crazy, like have a show like Seinfeld ended up like having a show. Is is it just to be a famous comic and then maybe someday you have a Netflix special? I'm I'm doing all the shoot the moon, shoot to the moon. You things. are. You are. Even though you just said you don't <laughs> I got a plan for you. <laughs> what is your plan? Uh, we're going all the way, baby. <laughs> You're funny. But when I saw you up there and I thought it was weird to me to because people have always said you look like Amy Schumer. Yeah. OK. Now. I think you're not to even put Amy Schumer down. I think you're like you're you're different than her because you're you've got more of a, a different endearing adorable nature where <laughs> she's she is more of a crass comedian. You don't yeah. go that route. I mean, that's like, you know, spitting facts. But you have a way of kind of turning it to yourself and having the laughs and, you know, you have some material to work with. <laughs> you <laughs> I help you with some material just because yeah. I provide the anecdotes that you can work with just by living my crazy life but I think you know, when I saw you up there and I was like the confidence was of a much more mature comedian than what I saw in some of the other people that performed because we were lucky enough to see like a bunch of whatever 15 comedians that night mm-hmm. and it was interesting to see like how different people approach their nerves and how some people went wow this is actually scary you know some people made mm-hmm. a comment about it and I, I, you felt like a, you were like a seasoned comedian to me <laughs> did you feel like you were um it was crazy it felt like not a, just because I'm your mom by I the know way. it felt a lot more <laughs> natural than I was expecting yeah and it's weird. It is weird because it did, it did feel a lot more natural. And even like one of my friends I made from the class, she's like, yeah, it's like really amazing that it was your first run. Like you felt that confident and comfortable on stage. I was like, yeah, I know. I did you know. talk to others after? Did they feel how they feel about it? And did you get to even talk to them? Ask them about me? About No, to ask them how they felt after there. I was just Oh, curious. not right. really. I yeah. feel like afterwards it was like just such a whirlwind. Yeah, it was overwhelming. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what the end goal is yet. Right. I think I just want to like keep performing. I definitely want to keep 
I want like I guess right now first goal is like to book more like to book shows and right. not necessarily just have to like do open mics like so I figure out that I don't I know nothing about like the entertainment industry either so it's like very new <laughs> right. and very confusing to someone who's never really wanted to pursue acting or music or entertainment right this form. is all so new so it's like I don't really even know what like would be the next step right so, what would like, be the next step I think right now it's just kind of enjoying the process and writing as much as I can and performing as much as I can and trying to get those opportunities and I think the idea that you're doing this when you're you have other things going on. So this isn't like yeah, you, you, like you're that. not moving. You didn't move to LA no. to pursue this, which I think is crazy because some people do, right? Yeah. They move to a city to pursue a dream. I mean, you're here living. Like you I have, have a job. Yeah. Thanks. Right. <laughs> you have so a job. I don't feel like this immense pressure. Be like I have to make it within like a year. Right. Like I have a stable job. I have income. It's like I'm not trying to perform. Like right now, I don't necessarily need to perform for money or. That kind of, like obviously that'd be nice eventually, but I can take this at like a slow pace. It doesn't right. have to be like accelerated because I need like I don't have to push myself to the point of burnout because this is just like a fun. Yeah. Right now it's like a hobby slash goal that I'm trying to achieve, but not necessarily like putting all my eggs. Obviously, like mentally and creatively, a lot of my eggs are in this basket, but it's not the only thing. Right. So advice for anyone listening who might want to try something and is completely nervous or thinks they're not good enough or the self-doubt's creeping in because you're the yeah. perfect person to, to address that because you do have all those things. So what would your advice be? If you're trying something new? Yes, trying something new. It's okay. maybe a dream. It seems almost maybe seems unreachable. I mean, the first, th I mean, like it's like what I always do is like try and find a class, which is like, I don't know, it seems lame like to find a, a beginner's class as an adult, but that's like the first step to getting some structure, I feel like. I'm, I'm so just, surprised. I don't know why, because I didn't know what you were going to say, but I was so surprised you said that. Because I think, I don't even think that would come into my mind, like to find a class if I was going to say, I'm going to pursue something. I don't know what my thing would be, but I yeah. don't think it would be to find a class. So I think that is so... That's I feel like you don't think of it as an adult to like find a class for something. You don't. Like, as soon as you like graduate high school, or graduate college, you think like your days of classes are over right. and you don't really think oh, of it. So but I feel helpful. like there are a lot of classes out there that adults can take to like learn. Like I took an intro to hip hop dance class for adults when I first moved here. Like, just because I was interested. All right, people, take a class. Just take a it's class. It's so basic because then you, you can, can always drop out of the class. Yes. We had, like, a few people in the comedy class drop out of the class. Like, as long as you're okay with, like, sacrificing the money and being like, but that's also okay. It's like you, you put, you can find, even at, like, I don't know, community centers, probably yeah, free things. Like, you class. can find, go on YouTube, get master class. Like, even if it's, like, an online course, just, like, figure out if it's something you're interested in, like, Ugh. learning. Cause I feel like the first step to trying something new is, are you actually going to enjoy, like, learning this new skill so I'm, that you can actually do the skill? I'm so excited to see where you go with this. <laughs> to, from, a, from a mom standpoint, from a... Just a, a fan standpoint, just to see, because I was at your first whole laugh because I was at your first performance and it was very successful. I'm just in general excited for you to pursue something that maybe was inside that you, you know, you're just letting it out. So, dear listeners, <laughs> what you can learn here today is take a class. Yeah. If you're interested in something that you might want to pursue, look for a class. You never know until you try. You never know. So. I love it. Yours truly. Helen and Julie. 
If you enjoyed the podcast today, please leave us a review. We love being here and we'd like to hear from you. You can also email us or comment on our social media at yourstruly.thepodcast on Instagram. As well, we are both individually on social media. I am at the mothership with a U. That's T-H-E-M-U-T-H-E-R-S-H-I-P on TikTok and Instagram. Julie is at Julie Polisi without an E on Julie, J-U-L-I-P-O. L-I-S-E. And we are both together, hellosocialize.com, bringing you weekly trend email, the creative forecast, tutorials, classes, workshops, personal premium audits, and more on your social media accounts. So do look for us and we adore you. Thank you to our producer, Grace our engineers at Melrose Podcast Studios. Today we are together with one and only Morgan, who's smiling the whole time. Adore him. Thank you for being here with us. We appreciate you. (laughs) And of course, thank you all for listening. And we'll see you you soon. (laughs) Bye. Bye. See you next time.